from boy to boots, getting them on, them, getting them on, that is, getting your boots, get on your boots. This on. is the episode for this. This is you talking you two to me, the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things you two. This is good rock and roll uh, music. Yes. You talking you two to me? We will answer the musical question. You talking you two to me? This very episode. Is is this the episode where we answer that question? <laughs> where we finally reveal the climactic conclusion. No, but this is not our final episode. This is not the climactic conclusion. Um, I want to say hello. Uh, my name is Scott, and across the table from me is Scott. Hi. Hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. Hi. 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 Hi, Scott. I'm so cute. You're cute, Scott. I'm so cute. You're cute. Um, welcome to Scott. I am Scott. We have not been together doing the show for two weeks now. Has it been two weeks? It's been two weeks. The, okay. the, two weeks ago, we recorded the How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. That's right. And then we got really crazy with the <laughs> Slowing It Down 2 That's with right. Jimmy Pardo. <laughs> That's right. Where it just went into the Eagles forever. Yeah. Um, I haven't listened to that one. But this episode, we're getting it in by the skin of our teeth again. Where this is I know. This is coming out uh, tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. So, boy. Woo! No, day after. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. tomorrow night. At it midnight. Goes, it yeah. goes on at midnight. Mm-hmm. Does it ever go up before midnight? Um, the Ethan Hawk special? No. Yeah. We call that the Hawk and Delp? The Hawk and Delp. <laughs> it's, I don't know, Cody, Engineer Cody, maybe it's gone up one minute before midnight once? Yeah, definitely. Okay, great. What about two minutes before midnight? <clears throat> nope, Never. Never, never says Cody. Okay, so definitive. I'm going to look that up. We, this episode, we, it's a Monday night. We were In supposed Hollywood. <laughs> hey, Hollywood nights. Holly, Holly weird, if you ask me. <laughs> I've heard of Hollywood, but Holly weird? Yeah, it, it's just a, a little like play on words I do sometimes just because mm-hmm. Hollywood is full of, you know, Fruits and nuts. Let's be frank. That Oh, by the way, is it time for an episode of Let's Be Frank? I think it is. Okay, here we go. Hey, welcome to Let's Be Frank. I'm Scott. This is Scott. And look, let's be frank. Hollywood is filled with fruits and nuts. Just like my gorp that I keep in my knapsack. <laughs> Did you just burp? I tried. <laughs> this has been Let's Be Frank. Ah, <laughs> uh, good app. Um, very, very good app. Very good app. Um, yeah, Hollywood is sometimes weird, so that's why you call it Hollyweird. Yeah, well, it's just there's a bunch of fruits and nuts in this town. When you say fruits, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, be specific. What are you I mean, like about? actual pieces of fruit. Okay, there are sure, lots of them. sure, you did. God, it didn't. It's so funny. It didn't even occur to me that fruits. That that is, that that's an that's expression such an for old, gay people. Yeah, that's such an old expression a of like, there's fruit. a lot of fruits and nuts in this town. Oh my god! And now when you say it with like, uh, you know, kind of as a human being, 
you know, who's evolved. Yeah, of you know. course. Yeah, it sounds horrible, right? Fruits. They would call people. That was slang for gay people. Yeah. Was fruits. Why is that? Like, I don't fruit, know. Like fruity. Why? Why? I mean, like you're a real fruit cake. Fruit what? cake. Like I guess. I where I wonder where that came from. Yeah. Because that sounds kind of cool to me. Yeah. I mm. like fruit cake. Yeah. Do you really? No. Hmm. But I like fruit. I like fruit. I like cake. Maybe the whole idea of putting them together was abhorrent to people of like putting fruit on a cake. That's like putting a man on a man. Right. Yeah, maybe. Fruit cake. I guess fruit cake, because it is disgusting, but it's not. It's not like a real cake with fruit in it. It's a completely different thing. What exactly is it? Because I haven't had one in a long time. It's like gelatin and and, and raisins. I'm going to look it up. Okay, fruit cake. What do we got? We have... if there's a picture of you. (laughs) (laughs) It says, it's a cake made with chopped candied fruit. That's a problem right there. Chopped candied fruit. Like what? Stop candying fruit. Fruit tastes good. You don't need to candy it. It's got dried fruit nuts. Some of those nuts you were talking about. Yeah, like crazy people. And spices, and it's soaked in spirits. I, I don't mind the soaked in spirits part. Oh, that's that's what gives it an extra gross flavor is that it's, like, been doused with brandy. Right, yeah. Um, I wonder if the Wikipedia has some sort of, like, it also connotes. What? <laughs> connotates. Connotes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> A gay person. No, it does not. Okay. Um, it really doesn't? It does. And wait. Oh, okay. So for other uses, see fruitcake disambiguation. A derogatory slang term, a person alleged to suffer from insanity. So there uh, yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, sure. There's that. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe that's that. what it is. And then back then people thought, well, if, if you're gay, then you must be insane. Oh, that's probably what it is. That's weird. But then fruit just by itself became slang for. People who are gay, right? So, what about that? It was just a, it was just short for fruitcake. Well, hold on, a fruit, and maybe it sounded kind of feminine. Fruit all? slang, a gay man or LGBT person. I'm going to look it up. Um, it's a shitty. It's a. It is a shitty fruit. Okay. Uh, uh, many modern pop culture references within the gay nightlife, like fruit machine and fruit packers, have been appropriated for reclaiming usage. Oh, so they've reclaimed it. Yeah, fruit packers. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Is that like fudge fudge packers, but, I guess, fruit, but packers? fruit instead? Well, good. They've taken it back. Why Reclaim not? fudge packers. That's a good one. I know it is. Um, I don't have time. Oh, wait. Origin. I remember hearing f- the slang fudge, fudge packing mm-hmm. um, for the first time probably in – I don't know, what, like junior high school or mm. something. Do you, do you remember? I didn't take that class. Fudge packing? <laughs> <laughs> um, and just thinking it was, you didn't take fudge packing 101? <laughs> you learn everything you need to know about fudge packing? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, this says that uh, fruit and fruitcake are seen as negative with fruitcake light, likely originating from nutty as a fruitcake, a.k.a. a crazy uh, person. So you were right. Okay. To be gay was to be insane at the time. 
Hmm. Not good. Not good. Hmm. You know? Hmm. Not good what we what we used to and you know how long uh has it been since uh I've had a fruitcake? Yeah. Ten minutes. <laughs> Wait, you ate a fruitcake? An entire fruitcake on the way over Why here. would you do something like That's that? That's why I was four minutes late. Can I say, by the way, you're it's te- you're technically four minutes late of the rescheduled time. A, a lot of people wonder at what point... But wait, was there... Did we even have a time set? We, had a, ta- we had a time at seven. We did? I was... Yes. I was going to say, hey, let's do it at 7.30, but before I could do that, you said... Can't do it till nine, bro. But I didn't, I have no evidence of there being a set time. So when I said, can we do it at nine? You have I no thought, evidence? Have you looked up two's clues? I thought, hold on, it's time for two's clues. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, welcome to two's clues. Uh, the two sleuth over here is looking up his evidence. Do, 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 What song is that? The Twilight Zone. <laughs> Submitted for your approval. <laughs> um, okay, in our texting, there's no... There's no time. It just says no Monday, time. let's do it. Uh, we did not communicate about... Wait. Wait. Oh, hold on. Use your search uh, function. <laughs> no, I'm just... We, we've texted a lot in the past couple days. We have, we have. Um... We'll get to it. But in, in any case, Adam rescheduled for 9 p.m., which is fine. We're only doing one episode tonight, but 9 is Ooh, up. I have a fuck you in all caps that was not delivered. Was to not you. delivered? <laughs> oh, no. Send it on over. Bumming me out. <laughs> when, when did you mean to do it? <laughs> this was from May 11th. <laughs> what was, oh, by the way, we need to talk about May 11th. All right. Because I sold you out. I don't know if you know about this. I think some people sent you some messages about it. Oh, th- hey, just got it. Thanks, man. No, it's uh, it's from when we were both in New York. Yes. I, I I sold you down the river when we were in New York. Yeah, I got a bunch of... Uh, right. Okay, here's what, what happens. Here's what happened. Um, I'm in New York. I am doing two Comedy Bang Bang uh-huh. live shows. I had... Great RSVPs of guests yeah. across the board. Yeah. The day of the show, everyone came back to me and said, hey, we're all dropping out. I don't want to sell anyone out, but- Wait, All of them? Everyone dropped out. Oh, God. In- including really? you. And I know you would, You were tentative, okay? Yes. So, um, I don't want to sell people out who dropped out, but everyone dropped out of the show, other than Paul F. Tompkins and I. So, oh, that sucks. So, I ended up- uh, doing the first show just with Paul F. Tompkins. Okay. Which he did a tour de force of four different characters as well as himself. It was Fantastic. amazing. It was something the likes of which people are not often privy to. Now, that said, to give people context of why it was happening, uh, I mentioned that... So you sold me out. Yes, I sold you specifically out. <laughs> now, I mentioned it because I meant it to sound like a like a good thing, where I was like, well, Adam Scott was supposed to do this show, but it's Mother's Day, and he's giving Naomi a break from the kids. He's watching the kids and can't, right. can't get away. Right. And then Paul turned it into a joke, 
saying that for Mother's Day, she wanted nothing more than to get away from the family. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so funny. But then I think I elaborated on some of the texts, and I um, said that you your final text to me was, can't do it, bro. <laughs> Did I really say that? It was not. It, I that was my impression of it. It was not as bad as that. Here, here's what it is. It's uh-huh. I can't. Sorry, man. Sorry, man. Okay, similar. Which means it was sincere. It was sincere. It was. If but, I, if there was a bro on there, yeah, I was I was not 100 percent sincere. Right. You were sorry about it, but in my in my sure. retelling of it, okay, I retold well, it as can't do it, bro. Then the tweets now make sense. Yes, which made everyone groan. And then Paul talked about bro and the yeah. usage of that. Y- yeah. You did not say that. For comedy's sake, it made you out to be... A total douche. <laughs> yes. <laughs> total douche. Yes. So now they all make sense. That's what happened. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> you dick. So you framed it as me saying bro seriously. Yeah, but that's what I thought your text was. So, but I didn't want to sit but there and look at it. You know that if I texted you sorry can't bro that I'm I am sorry but I'm kind of kidding because who knows what you think. No. <laughs> But we, no one uses. You're an insane person. No one. I don't know what you. No think. one uses bro seriously. That's true. I, for comedy's sake, I may have just exaggerated. For lying's sake, <laughs> you prick. So in any case, that uh, that episode is going to come out at some point. But, I talk about it during that. Okay, but I. So did you tell everyone to tweet me then? No, people who were there. Just took it upon themselves to tweet you. I, oh. I was try. I in fact, I think when you listen to it, when I put it out at some point in the future, you can sense me trying to do damage control because <laughs> I know it's going to come out, and I know people are going to give you a hard time. And uh, so, so I apologize for that. So, okay, because all the tweets I got were "Can't make it, bro. Yep. You, you idiot." <laughs> Like shit like that. Like I didn't know what it Look, was. I don't I don't appreciate people tweeting you that. It was I, so many that I thought you at the show must have said, "Okay, everyone tweet no, Adam." I did not do That's that. That's so funny. But there were a lot of people there. I think I think, you know, people were disappointed you weren't there. People wanted to see you. But it wasn't did you like advertise that I was going to be on the thing? No, it, but but the one thing I did do is I had such a great response of people who wanted to do the show at the time. That I was talking about, oh, my God, these guests are amazing. Yeah. And then the day of, everyone dropped out. And so I So what had, about the second show? Did anyone no, come to that one? Bobby Moynihan was there. They, it, it was oh, great. great. White Snack uh, could do it for like 10 minutes and then had to leave. And then Bobby Moynihan did four of oh, them. It, okay. it was fantastic. But the other show, everyone dropped out of. And I was kind of scrambling at the last minute trying to get people who may or may yeah. not have been in New York. Nothing panned out. We ended up doing a really great show. I only got one complaint. Um, who who was uh, uh, probably a nice person who said you know that the the advertisement said guests not guest oh. and so and I'm disappointed and I would I wish I had seen the second show instead. Other people were saying, oh, I'm I thought the first show was was great and I'm it so happy. It sounds like it was great. It was pretty amazing. With Paul doing it. Yeah, but you know, characters. I mean, that's the luck of an improv yeah, show. Of it's the luck of the draws. Where some, were the shows? Skirball Center at NYU. Um, now, we never specified a time, I'll have you know. 
We may have in email form. Are you looking up all of your emails? (laughs) God, the show needs more of you looking up things. All right. Anyway, while you're doing that, let me talk about what's happening here. Okay. Because we, on our last episode, said this week we were going to do Broadway Spider-Man. Hey, Spider-Man, turn off the dark. Not in in, uh, email form either. Okay, I apologize. I apologize. I look, I'm a bad friend. Yep. <laughs> I'm right. Do you feel better being right? Yes. Or do you feel kind of small for having pointed that out? I feel a little small for having pointed it out, and I feel a little shitty about uh making everyone work at nine o'clock rather than seven. It's quite but all right. I we did not, again, much like my excuse in New York, I had to. Anyway, who cares? You have, you have children. Who cares? We, we're lucky that you're here at all. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Buy a pizza pie. All right. So, so we were going to do Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Right. You alerted me to the fact that Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark is actually chronologically later than No Line on the Horizon. At at the very least, the record is chronologically later. Yeah, the show opened, I believe, in 2011. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I saw it in 2011. But I saw a preview, but it had been previewing for three months prior to me seeing it. Right. We'll get to the story of that musical. But they started working on it like They way started working on it before, before No Line on the Horizon. Yes. So oh, so sure. chronologically it's a little fu- a little smudgy, a little yeah. fudgy. Murky. A little plurky, but we're going to do No Line on the Horizon instead first because we're going strictly chronological and uh, we're going to do that. And and by the way, we are also trying to do research on Spider-Man, which we have not completed yet. So we're both reading yeah. the book Song of Spider-Man, the inside story it's of the good most read. controversial musical in Broadway history written by the person who wrote the book to the musical. Um, so we're both reading that and currently in it. So we're going to do th- we're going to put that one off for a bit. Um, are, are you enjoying the book like I am? Yes, I'm. Well, I, I have no idea. Who knows how you're enjoying the book? Well, I'm enjoying the book. I'm not talking about the point of view of the book or the contents of the book. Are you merely saying that, are you enjoying the book? I am merely- Why do you have to throw like I am? Who cares what you do? I'm merely- Just ask me if I'm enjoying the book. Are you a living person like I am? God, why are you bragging about being a living person? You grow hairs out of your, uh, uh, above your eyes like I do. Oh, above, above my eyes. Do you grow eyeballs on top of your- Presently existing eyeballs, you have eyeball stacks like I do. Is that what happens? You keep growing like new eyeballs on top of your eyeballs? As long as a person lives, more eyeballs grow on top of the ones that they they previously had. And then the the old ones lop back into their head and go down and you swallow them when you're sleeping. Only when you're sleeping. Did you not know this? I did not know this. Yeah. Every night, your eyeballs regenerate themselves. And then you poop them out. And what? they sw- they swim down under your house. What? And they turn into cancer cells that in- that um, infest themselves into the gophers that live in the ground in under the- your house. Oh my god! This is am- this sounds like this is an episode of Science Bros. I think it is. Science. 
Hey, welcome to Science Bros. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And we're talking about eyeballs. So eyeballs are the most curious part of the human body. What do you think, Scott? I think they're the, the by far the most fascinating part of the human body. People have called them windows to the soul. Mm-hmm. Hey, how about the things you see with? Let's just start there. <laughs> how about telescopes of the head? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I wish that eyes were like telescopes. You ever think about that? I think about that every day. And it would be great because you could be like, oh, is there a man on the moon? <laughs> and then you just go, whoop, whoop. oh, nope. nope. No man there. Not tonight. <laughs> Not, not tonight, honey. Let's go to bed. And every night before you go to bed with your wife, yep. you would check on that. Yep. Here's something I wonder, and I, I was asking this the other day. Why can't eyelids, which are the nightshades right. of the body, right. why can't they be like vertical blinds? Oh, that would be so neat. You know what I mean? Just like turn a thing and they like flip open and then you can sure. see through slats. No, Yeah, you can shut up. I know what you mean. I, I think it would be cool. You turn them. The vertical blinds flip, and then you could look through them at your neighbor's. At at your neighbor's eyes. Yeah, and your neighbor's doing the exact same thing through Uh his eyelids. Why is it his? What do you mean? I'd be looking at hers, man. Oh, shit. All right, this is Science Bros. Twins. Science. Good episode, Science Bros. That was pretty good. Medically, factually correct. Yeah. Um, Okay. Before we go on, yeah. I got to talk about something. Okay. This is a music podcast. Yeah. This is about you two. Yeah. And I know independently of one another, on Saturday evening, you and I were in the exact same oh, place. Yeah. You and I were at the Holly Weird Bowl oh, with a lot yeah. of the other fruits and nuts. Yep. And we were seeing the U2 of New Jersey... Billy Joel. Forson. <laughs> Jay Forson? Jakey Forson? Jakey Forson? I know. I was seeing Billy Joel. Oh, I saw Billy Joel. Oh, who did you see, though? Jakey Forson was there? I saw earlier in the in the evening. I went down you went to, to two a cl- concerts? A, a club down in Inglewood and saw Jakey Forson. Jakey Forson? What's yeah. he like? He's it's, it's kind of like spoken word, but also rock, mm-hmm. but also jazz, mm. and also like... Tap dancing, what? but also modern huh? reform dance. What? Jaggy Forson, you'll hear about that it. That sounds if you haven't horrible. Heard about it. No, it's it's. He pulls it together. It is horrible, but it's also great. Oh, you like? I mean, it. it's great, but it's also super bad. Oh, but then it's bad, and it's also really good. Can you sing one of his songs for me? Um, yeah, I mean, I can try. Okay, I mean, you're no Jaggy Forson. Okay, um, this one's called I Blame You. Okay. I blame you. I blame you. Oh, there's the jazz part of it. Yeah, it all, it's all, it's a bunch of different stuff at the same time. What was that face you were making? Was that what Jaggy does? <laughs> well, Jaggy, uh, for instance, he makes all kinds of faces. Oh, That's okay. why his first album was called All of My Faces. Oh, okay, yeah. How many faces? Is he like an impressionist? Is that what you mean? He, does, he makes three expressions. Oh, okay. So he ma- But each expression is like 27 expressions. Oh, okay. So the one you were doing looked like an overgrown baby who was shaking his rattle at his mother. Yeah, that's what that expression that's is called. That's what that is. Yeah. Okay. And his what are the first tw- EP was called that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it was an EP. An EP. An really? EP. An extended play? Yeah. 
Interesting. What and uh, when did his first EP come? Was that before his when first? When did it drop? It yeah. dro- uh, May two thousand twelve, I think. Mm. But it was also like his last album in a way. Oh, okay. Very interesting. This guy sounds yeah. fascinating. He's very interesting. How much I, were tickets? Uh, Four hundred dollars. Whoa! But they were also free. Uh, in what way? I mean, it's well, a, if you if it's experiential. Then it's free. Okay. But monetarily, it's $400. Okay. But that's not a lot of money to a guy like you, right? Well, it is, but it also Mm. isn't. Do you, when you spend money on something, Mm -hmm. do you often think about what you could be spending money on your children instead? Like, Like food that goes into their mouths, you know? Do you think about that at all? Like when you go see Billy Joel. Mm hmm. Tickets were expensive. Right. Do you think about the things you could be buying instead? Or does some stuff have to be just for you? You know, I think it's important, Scott, to take time for yourself. Mm. Um, I mean, I know, you know, those of you out there in podcast land or whatever we call you, Mm. um, some of you are parents, some of you aren't. Uh, I'm guessing those of you who are parents kind of, you know, run up against the same problems that I do, which is... When do I take Testicular time for me? swelling? What? Scott, if you speak again while I'm trying to explain something important to our listeners, I, I will fucking take you apart. I apologize. I totally apologize. I know this means a lot to you. Uh, it, it, it was very rude of me. It's fine. It's totally fine. It is fine. fine. It's absolutely fine. Thank you. I was just sort of, it was just a warning. Okay, a shot and across the bow. A shot across the bow, and I see now it's gone. Like I express myself, I'm fine. Sure. Okay. Great. So, so won't happen again. It's done. Feel, feel free. It's done. It's out if there. If we put my hands on an e meter right now, we would see no aggression whatsoever. Do you? Are you? Did you become a Scientologist? Just in the since I walked in the building, I became a Scientologist. Wow. By the way, we're taping this from the new Earwolf Studios, which is uh, in the heart of the Scientology building. Yep. The Celebrity Center. Um, it's great, and you can't come and record here unless you become a Scientologist. Yeah, but it's which great. I found out when I got here tonight. It's great, though. It's fun. It's great. It's so good, isn't it? It's great. I've spent so much money on it. It's great. Yeah, how much money have you? Sp- because you've been a Scientologist for how long? Just a, well, I mean, I've been a now five weeks. Yeah, five weeks. How much money have you spent just to get in the door? It was five thousand five hundred and seventy-five dollars. Okay, that's just to get in the door. See, that's a lot of money. I mean, is it though? Well, when you think about the afterlife, right? I mean, you know, these bodies we're in they're not yeah. going to last forever vessels but yeah these thank you spaceships i call it a spaceship see i'm new to all this so yeah. i don't have all the terminology down. sure 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 what and so okay so that's just to get in the door now total what would you say you've spent in the five weeks you've you've been a part of this eight million nine hundred and thirty six thousand dollars okay see to me yeah that's a lot of money but you think about the return. The return on that investment, because it is an investment. It is. It's you an know? investment not only for your future, but for the future of all beings. Sure. Because they're going to need a leader someday. Yeah. You know, and we can be that leader. Both of us? Yeah. Well, I I think that my body is going to kind of meld into yours and become one. Oh, like you mean like- We're like going to fuck m- each other. Oh, so we fuck each other and then you just kind of stay inside me and then we become one being? That's part of Scientology. Is that what happens? That's becoming clear. 
you have a penis permanently in your butt? <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, Jesus. Is that all right? I spent uh, $8 million to get there. I hope it's all right. Well, I don't think I can say it's not all right while I'm in this building. So, mm. yeah, that's all right. All right. Before the podcast ends, it's going to happen. Okay. Great. Did you want to explain something about your kids? No. Ah, yeah. Forgot about them, right? So, Billy J- Billy Joel. Billy Joel. So, what'd you think? What? Hey, man. What did you think? Hey. Hey. Hey, man. What'd you think? You know what? I um, This is my first time seeing Billy live. Me too. I will say this. He's the original piano man. Yeah. You will. You not only will you say that you said that. Yeah, I certainly did. Um, it actually for me. Where were you sitting, by the way? We had uh, seats pretty far back. Mm-hmm. Um, not as good as yours, I'm sure. I'm sure. How did you? You you. But this. Why is are what, you sure of that? Okay, here's why. And this is what I was thinking when he started. Did he play My Life? No, he didn't. He did not. He did not. But I started thinking about the song My Life, and I realized you just worked with him Yeah. in your TV vanity project. What, what was it called? <laughs> it's called Adam Scott is the King of the Universe. <laughs> right. Why would you call that a vanity project? Well, it's because it's all about you, and you're playing yourself, mm-hmm. and it's all about like, hey, look at all my funny friends. Yep. Like, look at all the That's people right. I hang out with. That's right. And, um, you know, plus also it's just like – raking in the dough for you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, mean, I know, well. I know. You can see right through me. <clears throat> but you just worked with him in your thing. Yeah, your greatest event. Greatest event, the Bosom... Bosom. Bosom Bates. Bosom Bates. Um, and he was in that, and I thought, you know what? I greatest want... event in television history. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I, thought, I just said greatest uh, event as if it's something that everyone yeah, just that you would can know shorthand. What right. Well, that's what happened with Parks and Rec immediately. Yeah, but that's on a that that you know people you know millions of people have seen that. Oh, really? <laughs> well, so you do the little things and the things millions of people have seen. Scott, I'm like the type of actor. That, do you have a few minutes? Okay. Um, I like to do different things. Mm-hmm. Different mm-hmm. things. Sure, you can do the stuff that's, you know, commercial and the right. stuff for like millions and sure. millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions right. and millions and millions of people. But right. then you want to take stuff that's just for like – Hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people. Right. Like 900,000 people. Right. You know? And that's for me. That's for you. Okay. That's for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that maybe you could call up Billy and mm-hmm. be like, oh, Billy, Billy. Oh, hey, Billy, Billy, Billy. And say, hey, bro, um, just had you in my show. Mm-hmm. Give me the front row seats. Give me front row seats, bro. Um, did that happen? We had very nice seats. Uh, How that did you is get right. them? We got them through uh, the um, Billy Joel's uh, um, people were very very nice and gave us nice seats. So this, the, I my assumption was correct that this. Uh, a cameo in your little thing, yeah, 
then parlayed itself into nice Billy Joel nice tickets. Billy Joel they were tickets. very, very uh, lovely, nice people. They okay. were really cool. So they were great seats. Yeah. We were in the back. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between you and me. Yeah. You I know? guess it is. And I, 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 I'm just going to say I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are. I bet you are, but I'm the underdog. They weren't like it, – it, it's funny. I don't know. I think that artists feel oh like – here we go. They're – like – I, I don't know. I've I've kind of I've heard before that like musical acts feel like the best seats. Musical acts. <laughs> they feel like the best seats at places like that aren't like right up front. The best seats because mm-hmm. are like like what do you think at the Hollywood Bowl? Where would you like to be the most? I'll tell you what. Like I've right s- up front. I've sat in the very back. Yeah, and I sat in the very front, literally front row. Yeah, front row is always better, bro. Oh, okay. It's so much better. Well, of course. But if you if if you're looking at a big show like the Billy Joel show, where mm-hmm. would you think is the best place to sit? I'd say front, f- front, front row. row center. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I think so at the Hollywood Bowl especially. It's just why is that? There's it's such a big place yeah. that even if you start going back like to row 30, yeah. then you're so far back already. Like I think the front row there is amazing. I think it's great. That's, I've never been in the front row there. Mm. But I, I find with those giant shows, I've been to a couple things. Pop Mart was one of them where I remember- You appreciated I, I, the distance. No, I ha- I bought, I spent a bunch of money and bought like third row seats mm-hmm. and it was too close. Too like close. that show is designed to, to be, be far back. Yeah, yeah. This was not one of those, I thought. It, it was, he, it, all that happened was the piano- um, Billy was radiating on the 88. Um, it would it would revolve. Right, that's that was true. A, that was about but the only had, visual thing. They had big screens. Who gives with... a fuck? <laughs> okay. If you're in the front row, you're seeing what's on those, yeah. those screens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who gives a fuck about your big screens? Yeah. Like, think about this. No, I'm thinking. Think about what you're saying. I got it. So I noticed that uh, your wife took a picture. If you'd been in the front row, she could have taken a picture of Billy Joel. Instead, she took a picture of the screen. She did? Yeah. That's and put it on Instagram. That's how close you guys <laughs> really? were. Like take a picture of Billy Joel. Don't take a picture of the giant screen. That's funny. So you could have been closer, yeah. I think. But that's so now for They were lovely seats, they were great. For me, up until the encores, that was my ultimate Billy Joel, like what I would want in a set list. Yeah. It was great. So many deep cuts. Yeah. Um, deep cuts that sent some of the audience scurrying. Like, where's for the, the orchestra and where's stuff? Where's the orchestra? Yeah. I, uh, uh, Vienna is yeah. one of my favorites of all time. That's great. He played two of my all-time favorites. He played um, Vienna, and uh, then he played... Uh, uh, oh, fuck. Now I'm blanking on one of my all-time favorites, but uh, from the Cold Springs I, Harbor. I would have voted for... Uh, I did, um, for... Uh, what was the other one he gave the choice between Vienna and uh yes and and I was with Casey Wilson she was going out of her mind for the other one Oh uh Summer Highland Falls Summer Highland Falls that's she was, the one I would I voted for Now I they're both great but yeah. Vienna is one of my favorite songs of all time yeah. so I had I had to go crazy for Vienna and it, yeah. you know uh cast a Paul over the evening with Casey. She was bummed. She was a little bummed, but uh, no, she loved it. I mean, it was great. She was like, she was one of those people who was like standing up every song going, right. Woo! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, 
he played Zanzibar. Zanzibar. It was like I love Zanzibar. I would say every fourth song was a hit. Now he's got yeah. so many hits. Yeah, that he could have done the entire show. He with played. Uh, I think it might be my favorite Billy Joel song. Um, uh, and I can't remember. Yeah, the why can we name. not? <laughs> uh, when we're we weren't prepared to talk about Billy Joel, I'm looking uh, up my favorite. Fucking, I have the. All the songs right here. Here we go. Cold Spring Harbor album. My favorite is Everybody Loves You Now. Of oh, course. Yeah. That's, that's one of my favorites. Everybody loves you. Yeah, for um, sure. So many okay, great songs. He played, he opened with Miami 2017. That's, I mean, right there. Come so on. great. Yeah. Then he actually went into a hit, right? Pressure. Yeah, Pressure, which is... For for a hit, it still is kind of not one of his most well-known. Yeah, I mean, it's on that Greatest Hits mm-hmm. album, which is the third best-selling album of all time. So Okay, but, but still. But still, it's not like Piano Man or yeah, Uptown exactly. Girl or something. Uptown Girl. And then uh, Everybody Loves You Now, and Great. then Vienna. Vienna, oh. And then Zanzibar. I mean, all, this if you know Billy Joel, if you only know his hits, you're kind of going, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? But, but Z- the fans were... Freaking out. Freaking out. Now, uh, during Zanzibar, did like 20 people around me get up and go to the snack room? Yes. Yeah. Snack room. <laughs> the snack. There's one room at the Hollywood Bowl, and they have snacks. Yeah, around around us, too. People were getting up during Zanzibar. But Zanzibar is great. Great song. I got a jazz guitar. I wanted to hear Stiletto, too. Mm, That's one of my favorites. Uh, And then he followed that up with Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid. Okay, from a really super early album. Yeah. uh, His sort of like Western pastiche. Yeah. I mean, this is like all deep cuts at this point. It's fantastic. Then Where's the Orchestra? Where's the Orchestra is is great. Now, Where's the Orchestra, I thought, okay, if you know this record, The Nylon Curtain. By the Mm -hmm. way, you're listening to You Talking You Too to me. Um. The last song is Where's the Orchestra? It's this mm-hmm. wonderful ballad with an yeah. orchestra, and they fade out while playing sort of uh, a reprise, or at least the, the melody, the top line of Allentown. Right. So it fades out. That's the last song on the record, and it fades out with da 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 and it kind of fades out. Now, he played it, and I thought, oh, my God, do you think he's going right into Allentown? Right yes, into Allentown with it. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, I think he said on Howard Stern once that Where's the Orchestra is like one of those songs that he just loves that he wished could what was a was more well-known, was a hit. Right. Like he feels like it could have been like – That's interesting because it's – I don't know that it could have been a hit because yeah. it is it's, – it's like a – It's, it's, it's a beautiful a, song. But it's but, like a Tin Pan Alley song in a yeah. way. Yeah. And hmm. – I think the Nylon Curtain is his favorite album of his. Is that is that true? That? Really? I huh. I think he said that on Stern as well. That mm. that's like you know, you think maybe you when you fucking know maybe you come <laughs> <Okay>. back. <laughs> um, then he played the Entertainer. I am the Entertainer, which is semi well known because it was on his greatest hits, but still isn't like one of the right. huge, huge, huge ones. But then he played a song he had not played live since the eighties. What? It, oh, but it. This is a hit, though. Hit. But yeah. he had he had never played it live or something. No, he, he had played it live, but not since the eighties. Like and I just fucking said, you weren't listening. Um, say goodbye to Hollywood. Fucking hands. 
Um, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> um, say goodbye to Hollywood. It was awesome. Yeah, it was great. Now, that is a really well-known song, but it, that's crazy to hear that he had not played it in so long. I know. And he's like, maybe we'll mess it up. I don't know. You know, yeah. like his, his And it New sounded Jersey. perfect. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And then New York State of Mind. Okay, now we're segueing into the hits. But still, I like New York State of Mind. No, but after New York State of Mind, there's another... Not really a hit that I was so excited about. Is it she, she's just fantasy? Yeah, sometimes a fantasy. Sometimes a fantasy. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, oh, no oh, one oh, knows oh, oh. No one knows that song. I fucking that's love that song. That's a great song. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's my favorite Billy Joel oh, album oh, oh, oh. is Glass uh, Houses. Glass Houses, that's yeah. a good. Well, I, I, yeah, I love, the. I love, uh, of course, uh, The Stranger, I think. Is yeah, great. it's, yeah. I played that album the other day and I think it's nine songs. Yeah, no problem. I played it on my iPod. Okay, yeah. great. Yep. Good story. Uh, no, actually, it wasn't my iPod. Sorry, uh, my Apple TV. Played Fine. It, played it through that into my stereo system. Okay. Yep. I don't know. Great. All right. Good for you. It wasn't a big deal. Kudos. But uh, no, it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> but I did that. Okay. All right. And it's one of those albums that's like sports. They're all hits. Sports. Oh, can we, can we talk about sports for a Is minute? Is it time to talk about sports? I feel like we've talked way yeah. too much about sports. Okay, and then after sometimes a fantasy fantasy, fantasy. Played, uh uh moving out. I'm moving out. Great. And Anthony then always song. a woman. See, now we're into hits yeah. territory, but it's but still But then don't like, ask me why, which isn't like That's a hit though, I would say. Yeah, that's yeah. I think my favorite Billy Joel song. Why? Don't ask me why. Um Either that or Everybody Loves You Now or Miami 2017. You know what? I have a really songs. deep cut favorite song of his. I don't care. Okay. Um, and then River of Dreams. That, to me, that it's an okay song, but it, that could have been excluded. Because uh-huh. he didn't play anything from Uptown Girl, on, meaning uh, that record. Uh, innocent Man. Innocent, he didn't play anything Innocent Man on. I like Innocent Man, though. I like Innocent Man, too, but but I, I loved what this concert was. It was yeah. just like all early album deep cuts. Yeah. He didn't play anything from Innocent Man on except for he played River of Dreams. I like is, that song. I like that song, but I still was kind of like, oh, that's the one thing right. that doesn't really... Um, no, what were you going to say is your favorite? Like, oh, thank you. No problem. I mean, I'm in the middle of this, but go ahead. Um, Lullaby, Good Night, My Angel. Oh, yeah. That's a that's really great song. such I think, an amazing song. I think he's been playing that on Has he been tour. playing it, really? Yeah. I love that song. That's that's from his last record. Most people don't know that song. From River of Dreams. Yeah. yeah. And it's... Um, it's pretty great. It's a, it's a lullaby to his daughter uh-huh. at the time. It's just a beautiful, beautiful song. So after River of Dreams, he played Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Great. Oh, bottle, man. Look, bottle of red? Hey, bottle of white. Whatever you're in the mood for. Tonight. That's just an endlessly great song. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then that was the end of... No, then no, Piano Man. One man. Oh, then he did Piano Man, of course. Yeah. And then everyone's like swaying and holding. Yeah, it was pretty rad. Yeah. It was pretty cool when... Uh, Brenda and Eddie waving goodbye and the whole cl- crowd waves. Mm. Uh, no, was nice, I was not part of that. Nice we were too far back. <laughs> yep. um, and then he comes back. From By the, the way, we should mention he left the stage. Oh, yeah. That. He left the stage. 
The crowd In case claps. you're confused, yeah. He left the stage, crowd was clapping pretty continuously. And yelping and hollering sure. and whistling. He took that to mean people enjoyed the show. Yep. And what he thought he would do is return to the stage giving the fans a little extra treat. Right. And encore. Encore. Came back. Came back. Did his encore. For the encore and played Still Rock and Roll to Me. Mm-hmm. Which it was. Still is. Still is, according to him. Then he played according Big to Jim. Shot. Big Shot. Big Shot, yes. I heard you. Big Shot. Okay. <laughs> and then he played You May Be Right. Uh-huh. And Adam Levine. Oh, okay. Who, this is, who is the other guy that came up? I was too far back. I couldn't see. By the way, at this point. No, but they're giant video no, screens. Okay, I will tell you what happened. At this point, everyone rose to their feet. Yeah. When you're as far back as I was, everyone's yeah. on a bench. Yeah. And basically everyone. Oh, wow, you were really far back then. Yeah. Everyone crowded to where I had to, if I was standing, I would have to be like turned to the side and trying to just squeeze in. And I just was like, fuck this. So I just sat down. You mean to see the screens? Yeah, to see the screens, uh-huh. yeah. So I couldn't really see. I saw Adam Levine with his weird blonde hair came out, but I didn't know there was another there guy. There was a guitar player, and I didn't know who it was. Was um, it Slash? No. Was it The Edge? No. Oh, wait, it was The Edge. <laughs> um, and then they closed with Only the Good Die Young. Yeah. Good. I mean, the encores may be a little obvious, but that's what you do yeah. with an encore. But up till... The very end, just... I love You May Be Right. Flawless to me. Yeah. No, I love all those songs in the encore. I just think yeah. that, the, that the encore was what one would expect a Billy Joel show to be throughout the entire thing. Right. He could have played his entire Greatest Hits catalog yeah. and instead is not, is doing these shows where he's showing the amazing breadth of his catalog. Yeah. I... Give the show a C plus. I say people should go see it. <laughs> above average. Is a C plus above average? Uh-huh. Yeah, C is average. Oh. Wow. So to my ringing endorsement, C plus. <laughs> wow. It's because it sounded like you really enjoyed yourself. Yep. C plus. Yeah, that's what I mean. What happens if the, it's an A plus? Does your head explode? I've, I've never seen an A plus show. Oh, my God. You're impossible. Um, so you are listening to you talking you two to me. We're breaking down no line on the horizon um, and the Billy Joel concert and the Billy Joel concert. Uh, but did you guys have a great time? Yeah, it was great. It, it was, was great, it was. We great. were there. With, I had never seen him play before. Neither had I. Uh, we we were with great people, like I mentioned, Casey Wilson, and um, we we saw that uh, Paul Shear was there somewhere in there. I saw Kate Micucci. Uh-huh. Um, and I knew you were there from uh, Naomi's Instagram feed, and so I knew I had to bring it up, bro, so we could and break you did, down. And so we, we broke it down. Broke down every song, and people are fucking going crazy at home right now because we did it. People are going like out of their minds. Out of their fucking people minds, like, bro! I can't believe they broke it down. The YouTube bros talked ah. about Billy Joe. By the way, I thought it was Billy Joe from uh, Green Day when I bought the tickets. Oh. So I was a little disappointed. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. That is a disappointment. Yeah. Um, we got to take a break. Yeah, man. When we come back, we're going to break down No Line on the Horizon as only this podcast could. With words 
and sentences in English and sounds. Mm-hmm. Are we going to go track by truck? Yeah, we can go track by truck. Let's do it. Truck by truck. Truck by truck. So, guys, truck by truck, when we come back, you talk you two to me. I. Welcome back to you talking you two two M E you two talking two two to me. I'm Scott. It's super late at night. At this point, it's ten fourteen. We just took a extended break ourselves in between the first we act did. and the second act. So it is getting super late for us, and um, hopefully you are listening to this on your way to work. You're you're up, you're bright, you're fresh. You've had a cup of Good Morning America, cup of Joe. Mm-hmm. Did you say couple Joe? Couple Joe. <laughs> Could you get me a couple Joe? There's a couple that just walked in. They were both named <laughs> Joe. Couple of fruits. Couple of fruit cakes. <laughs> um, look. Listen to me. Yes. <laughs> We're talking about No Line on the Horizon. We've been talking about it for an hour at this point. No Line on the Horizon. Yes. Okay? Now, let's get into it, okay? Yes. Do I have your permission? Yes. Yes. What do we have to say about No Line on the Horizon? Um, let's, give, let's give some background. Yeah. Okay? Let's talk about when it came out. Uh, 27 February, 2009. 2009. <laughs> the longest break in between U2 albums in history. Until. Until now. Until now. Um, they had not put out something until, uh, uh, uh what am I trying to say? Their previous record was how to how to dismantle an atomic bomb in 2004, five years in between records, and they come out with this one, no line on the horizon. A lot has changed in the musical climate. Yeah, and in between in that break, they recorded. With Rick Rubin, this is when that happened. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, maybe we should talk about the Rick Rubin sessions and play. There's only been two songs released from those sessions. That's right. Let's play one of them right now. Wind, window in the Skies, is that what this is called? What do, what do you think of this song? I like it. Me too. It's not, like, on heavy rotation for me, but I like it. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. The shackles are undone. The bullets quit the gun. Bullets quit the, the gun. that's in the sun will keep us when there's none. The rule has been disproved. The stone, it has been moved. The grain is now a groove. All deaths are removed. Can't play this whole song for rights issues, but anyway, you get the picture. Is it if you play a whole song, you have to pay for the rights? Is that something like that? Huh? Who knows? Um, but yeah, uh, here's what here's what happened. Okay, so 
They make How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb 2004. Big hit for them. Wins yes. tons of Grammys. We talked about it on one of the last episodes. You love it. Your favorite U2 record, even though you hate about half of it, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they make this Greatest Hits album, and they got to put a couple of new songs on it. They start working with Rick Rubin because you know what? He's got the magic touch. Yep. He's got the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's got Slayer. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. But um, now, as far as Rick Rubin goes, yeah. I, I, I've heard conflicting reports from people about if he's any good. I have no idea. You mean like his method? His method. His method, yes. <laughs> Did you say method? Method. <laughs> method. Um, I've heard reports that he just sits around on a couch and makes his engineer do everything. Yeah, um, I've heard that it's a very kind of esoteric way of producing an album. Like mm-hmm. he, he just sort of says, just play the song. Right. And then, then you play it and he goes, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. And I've also heard with some artists, he's not even there. I have heard that. Like, he just has his people doing it, and then he'll come in every for an hour. Or he's listening remotely in his house. Right. Like, live, he can hear it. Yeah. Um, or he's doing remote viewing. Yeah. Like What's a, that? <laughs> remote viewing is like a psychic thing where oh. you are visual. Anyway, never oh. mind. Look it up. Read a fucking book <laughs> okay. for once in your goddamn life. Um, Instead of being a TV star, coasting on your good looks. Um, thank you for saying <laughs> I have good looks. Um, he, uh, wh- Whatever it is, I like a lot of the stuff. I hey, love that It's Dixie, a recipe for success. That Sugar Dixie to chick, taste. That di- we shut up for a second? That Dixie Chicks album that he produced was terrific. Uh, all right. Really? You? It's great. Uh, they're traitors. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I forgot that they're traitors to America. I don't. You know what? I like. I like certain like real country type stuff. Loretta yeah. Lynn and Dolly Parton yeah. and stuff like that. But for some reason, I just have never been able to get into like kind of half country people. Yeah, I mean, this album is is. Very sort of pared down. By all accounts, they're great. I know they yeah. do a Neil Finn song. They're like buddies with them. With yeah. him, um, it sounds like I'm sure it's great. So I, I bet that record is good. I, just, um, I like those Johnny Cash records. I love the Tom Petty album he did. Mm-hmm. So, but he, Run DMC. Boom. 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 Waka waka waka. Boom. He seems to be very busy, but I would imagine with you too, he's not sitting in his house remotely working. I would imagine maybe he was there maybe he's hands on. Okay, here's what I read about their sessions with you too, because at the time they were going to make the entire record with him, because, right? And it was going to be like a live in the studio record, mm-hmm. right? And they were going to it was going to be the Rick Rubin magic touch and they were going to follow it up and they and they started these sessions and they did these two songs. They did The the Window in the Skies, mm-hmm. which I just played, and then they did the duet with Green Day, The Saints Are Coming, yeah. which is a uh, cover of a punk song, yeah. and which is fine for what it was, but... Yeah, it was kind of weird, like two bands playing a song at the same... Like together, like yeah. the whole bands. Right, yeah. It was. I, I liked it. it was, but I, I like it, but it's kind of disposable whatever, in a way. Yeah. yeah. So they're gonna make this record with Rick Rubin, and what I heard was 
he said, okay, I'll make this record with you. Leave old sourpuss out of it. Did he really say leave you got Brian a, Eno? You got a new man, me. I'm your ticket to the top. Ride on the Rick Rubin freight train. Chugga, 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 chugga to stardom. Is that a direct quote? Yes, of course. No, but did he really say like... No, no, no. Oh, okay, I okay. think these guys were like, you know what? We've had it with old sourpuss. Yeah. That's a direct quote. We need <laughs> we need a new yeah. sound or direction. We need or a weird beard. Yeah. Um, no, but what he said was, cool, come to the studio with all of your songs already written and worked out. Oh, uh, right. You two... Hates doing that. Yeah, they don't do that. They don't do that. Homie don't play that in the, the old two. <laughs> in the parlance of the times. Yeah. Um, they What they like to do, we've probably talked about it on this show a few times, is they like to jam. They yeah. like to sit there twiddling their knobs, their dicks. Yeah. And, and then they pick up their instruments. <laughs> their dicks. Yep. And then they go over and grab their guitars they're, they're dicks. dicks. <laughs> so, no, they they sit around and they like Edge will will try a chord and is D chord D chord D chord D chord D chord. And then Adam Clayton comes in. Meanwhile, Larry Mullins. And then you got Bono. Bono, what he'll do is he'll like sort of, as they put it, he'll sing bonglies. Right. It's like a gibberish. Gibberish. He sings gibberish or like little snatches of words that are meant to, like whatever feeling the song gives to him. To find the melody. To find the melody. Okay. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah or whatever he does. And can you imagine being a producer sitting there at the beginning of what you've heard could take six months, but could also blow up into a six-year recording it process. Sounds like fucking torture. And to know that Edge mixes his songs sometimes 187 to yes. 500 times, I don't know how. This is my point with these guys. They have too much money. Yeah, they they needed the constraints of like, hey, you only yeah. have a week to finish this thing, and then they bang it out. And I think they. Like pop, rattle and hum, and no line on the horizon now have scared the bejesus out of them, and yes. failure is just terrifying to them. Yes. So they are going to fiddle with this new with their knobs and their, their instruments and their guitars, their dicks forever. I think the new record's never going to come out. I know because th this last single, if it had been a hit, they would have went, "Oh, okay, absolutely. We know what we're doing. Let's put it out." But because it didn't um, strike anyone's fancy necessarily, we liked it. We're yeah. fans, but look, they're they're getting up there. Yeah, their fans are dying off. We have a podcast about them. We're super fans. I don't know if they're dying, but literally, they're. F I bet a YouTube fan, a YouTube super fan, dies every day. One just died. Yeah, he was waiting. Um, <laughs> I bet a YouTube superfan listens to this. I felt a disturbance in the force. <laughs> I bet someone listens to this podcast and dies during it. Every I bet. I bet. Yeah. For a fact. Yeah. Anytime we put out a new episode of this, someone dies while listening to it. I bet that's that's just statistics. While listening to <laughs> yes. it, well, on their iPod. Are you saying that our podcast kills people? Yes. And you're next out what? there. <laughs> Yeah, you, Adam. <laughs> um, but they're, they're such perfectionists that they go into the studio and record 
apparently an entire album's worth of material with Rick Rubin and then just throw it all in the garbage. The old scrap heap. Now, I wonder if we'll ever get to hear those that's the, and then they keep saying, hey, we're going to put that stuff out as a companion record. They always talk about this. Yeah. We're going to put out a second record like we did with Zuropa. Did they say they were going to put out the Rick Rubin stuff? I'm, I'm sure at some point they go, yeah. we'll put out all that stuff. Yeah. But um, what happens is I think they spend too much money on the record. If it doesn't become a hit, they've sunk – like how much do you think yeah. they spend on these records? Like $10 million or Probably, something? Yeah. They just like sink so much money into it fiddling around that if there isn't a hit, they can't just put out an experimental record anymore and be right. like, hey, you know what? Hey, no. it wasn't a hit. Who cares? We only spent you know, 500 grand on it. That's why you know, leading up to the release of No Line on the Horizon, they – all they were saying in the press is how experimental it was. Mm-hmm. But then when it came time to actually come up with a track listing, they kind of like got rid of a lot of the There was a lot of stuff. bet hedging yeah. on this record. Okay, but let's talk about it. So they did these sessions with Rick Rubin. They junked them all. Um, or there's a conflicting report where they were like Rick Rubin said, come with songs. I don't want to sit around while you fuck around forever and they right. said goodbye Rick Rubin oh so there's another report that they never even recorded it uh, let's see he encouraged a back to basics approach wanted to bring finished songs to the studio they decided to end recording with Rubin though the material from these sessions was shelved the band expressed interest in revisiting it in the future of course, of course. and they never did um, so they they say see you later weird beard See you later, long hair. <laughs> what do they do? Boop, bop, boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 International code. Um, hello. Hello. Old sourpuss. Yes, who's this? This is your lovable lads from Liverpool. Hello, guys. What's up? Do you want to frown for another four years on our album? Yes. You're hired. We missed you. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) So, Brian Eno got into You Are the Weakest Link references. Oh, he's all about, he loves (laughs) those references. So, they call up. Cody's so bummed right now. (laughs) Cody, sorry you're here. They call up Eno, they call up Lanois as principal producers and co-writers, and then they also bring in their buddy from back in the day. Steve Lillywhite. Lillywhite. Hey, buddy. By the way, um, have you gotten those tweets that say the reason Uno Dos Tres Catorce, the reason they do that is because Steve Lillywhite produced the first, the second, the third, and the 14th album? That's uh, insanity. Because that's not true. It's not true at all. Because no. no Line on the Horizon is their 12th album. Yeah. That, that's the wisdom of a fool. Okay. Stop tweeting but us idiotic Tons of people stuff. tweeted that to me. Tons of people tweet a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's true. They, yeah. People take severe umbrage if we don't like a song, too. Yes. Like, I get tweets like, I'm disappointed in you. Yeah. Like, okay, person I've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> um. Um, so so they call him up. They go, you know what? Oh, you fucking bummer of a person. Get back in here to the studio and get this ship 
running. Let's make another masterpiece. So they get back with Brian Eno, Daniel Lenoir. Um, they go, strangely enough, Brian Eno, he, he's going to go to Fez Morocco for this uh, festival. I don't know what he's doing there. Yeah. You know? It's a grumpy festival. <laughs> festival of grumps. Him and Oscar the Grouch. Um, he goes, hello, boys. Want to come with me? And you two, you know, never hearing of a place that they've never wanted to go, go, yep, we're yeah. right behind you. They get on the old Vertigo plane. Yep. And they go out there to Morocco. Meanwhile, they hear a Are lot Are they of, still flying the Vertigo plane? Yeah. No, they're the pilots of it. Oh, as well. Jesus. Yeah. Um, Bono puts on the pilot's outfit and everything. Wow. Larry Mullins puts on the stewardess outfit. Wow. Yeah. Um, they get out there to Morocco. They start hearing some cool local music, and they go, you know what? This is it. This is the shit right here. This is what our next record is going to be, which I think sounds cool. Yeah. You know? And they make a lot of songs that they describe as like new hymns. Yeah, which are songs that will be played forever, apparently, is what <laughs> yes. they... They do not lack hubris no. when it comes to that. Songs that will be played forever. Um, so they get really into, they record in the sort of center of this square. Of, what would you call that? Well, it's the, an open air yeah. place. I assume there's walls. They ended up going back to film the video for Magnificent there, I believe. Mm. So they film in this in this place in Morocco, and they film a lot of, uh, or they they record a lot of kind of not drone music, but you know, like sort of like chant type music, yeah. you know. Which one of the songs that most famously that they uh, recorded there is, of course, um, and make sure this is a moment of surrender. The third song. Third on the song on the on a seven minute and, f- and twenty two. So this was song. apparently improvised. This was all improvised. Yeah. Adam Clayton, you hear when he drops in the bass, he's doing sort of a Grandmaster uh, Flash and Melly Mel white lines type bass, uh-huh. and then he changes it in the middle to be slightly different. Uh-huh. But yeah, this whole song is kind of improvised. One take. Not the vocal though. Probably not. He probably recorded that 8 million times. But this is all... Brian Eno says he never saw anything like it in any session with any band. Yeah. How amazingly it all came together in this one take. So here's the bass line I was talking about. Where does it change? He changes it a little bit into it. But you hear that like do 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 like yeah. the weird drum thing? That was a malfunctioning drum machine. Oh yeah. But it just sounded so cool they kept it in. So this is where they're they're kind of like improv improvisatory. Anyway, we're gonna stop yeah. it. Is paying off because they're just like sitting around jamming yeah. and it sounds cool. Um so they 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 do a bunch of songs like that. Yeah. They get back to wherever the fuck they go. Back to Ireland. Okay, sure. And they listen to it all back, and Brian Eno goes, hmm, doesn't really cut the mustard, does it? And, they go, and it's Grey Poupon, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Fucking 
Eno with his gray poupon. He like drives up in a limo, rolls down the window to tell him, yeah, oh, back to sure. work, boys. Um, so they go back to work, and but they ended up using kind of the basic tracks from a lot of those. Yeah, they use some of it. Yeah, those but Morocco they, songs. But a lot of the more experimental stuff, they they junk and they go. Yeah. You know what? But I remember when No Line on the Rising came out, they said they're going to release this album, Songs of Ascent, mm-hmm. later that year, which is Songs of have, Ascent of a Woman. Yes. Um. And Al Pacino is going to be on the album cover. <laughs> the song titles were going to be Hua. Yeah. And, and uh, they keep pulling me back in. <laughs> but what's another catchphrase from Scent of Boy? I think that's the only one there no, is. No, but there Ooh-ah. is something else like, I smell a scent of a woman. Scent of a woman. <laughs> that was a terrible Al Pacino impression. <laughs> um but that never happened. They had apparently a whole nother album's worth of like oh, experimental sure. hymns. Oh, yes. This songs that will be sung forever. And they were going to follow this album up with that record. They announced it a year later. They announced it was coming then three months from then. Yeah. And then three months. And then it became. I'm sure if No Line on the Horizon was a big hit, they would have. They would have. Yeah. But here's. It would have just been like something that sold even less than No Line on the Horizon. Right. And they didn't. And they. You can sense them scrambling. We'll talk about the reaction to it. But you can sense them scrambling after this record of like. You hear or you read a lot of quotes of, of Bono saying, what people want out of you too is fill in the blank. Like what he thinks people want now. Right. to hear people just want to hear a record he also said before the album came out if this isn't our best album we are irrelevant mm-hmm. that was his big like um sound bite because he always has a yeah I a think mission good, statement for the record yeah and i think good it's good that he has these sound bites that are very um, um I, yeah. quotable to sell the eye catching yeah, yeah. Um, okay but so, that ended up being an unfortunate one because because yeah, you don't want to dare the audience yeah. like that, you know. Even the, um, I, I think it's good, but it's it's uh, it, it wasn't, you know. And it's not that experimental. It is a bit, but it's not. It's kind of neither because I I know you say get they, it together. They, what are you fucking trying to say? They work in these like three album cycles mm-hmm. where one is uh, really unique and a cool new direction. Yeah. Number two uh, is kind of number two. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third one is where everyone gets sick of it. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. this, they, I think conscious of that, tried to do something new with the third one. They did, and we'll get to this, but they did with the exception of the single. Yeah. This, the, 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 the first single is the everyone's sick of it. Uh, kind yeah. of thing. Which I we'll, think they thought it was going to be like an elevation vertigo type single. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell you what, we have to take a break. Okay. We'll, th- we've given you a lot of background. We've talked a lot of U2 to you. Yeah. At this point, who could argue that we've no done one. our jobs? Not even uh, uh, Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice of the United States. Not even Clarence Clemens. Nope. Saxophonist for Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Both of those guys. Passed away. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe it's the Clarence curse. Yeah. Clarence Thomas is alive. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's how much I care. Um, we have to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about our experiences and our Let's opinions of this record. We'll be back talking two to two. Okay. 
Welcome back. We talk about it every episode, the boots people are getting on, but here it is. Here's that single. Before we get into this, Adam, you you uh, went to the, what I call the bathroom Yeah, during that break. I walked all the way down to, it's this long walk down a short pier. <laughs> down this long ass hallway and uh i got all the way down there and realized i hadn't brought a key with me boy that was stupid turned around came back grabbed the key went to the ladies room there you go because it's much closer what's the difference between the ladies room and the men's room in your opinion men's room uh the floor is soft, mm-hmm. um, some sort of silk plush material. Mm-hmm. Women's room, hard heated stone. Hmm. S- stones. Really? Yeah, it's like gravel on the floor. Hmm. I'm into it. I like it. Hmm. Uh, so it took me a while because I was doing a lot of walking. Yeah. I'm walking here. So here we are, January of 2009, and get on your hey, boots. I'm not ready to oh, talk about sorry. this yet. What What are you doing? Oh, I was looking for this. <laughs> for the song? No. Adam, that's not funny. <laughs> I was looking for that. <laughs> Took you a while. Well, no, Cody didn't have it turned up. No. I played it at the right time after your dumbass story. <laughs> it's a terrible story. Uh Okay, so when that single came out, get on your boots. What happened with Scott Ackerman? Okay, let me clear my throat. (laughs) Okay, Um, I let's give our general opinion of this record. Okay, how's how's that? Okay, go ahead. Okay, I think No Line on the Horizon is actually a lot of a really great album. Mm-hmm. I really, really like this. a lot of this record. Uh-huh. I think it's far and away more of what I want out of a U2 record than How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb was in the sense of it really feels like they're trying to create a really interesting work of art. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some experimental songs. There, It just has the feel of people like trying to do something interesting again uh-huh. and not giving a shit about like everything having to – be a hit or anything right. like that with the exception of three songs in the very middle of the record okay and get on your boots the first single from the record is by far for me the worst u2 song that exists oh really in this dimension they probably have written some terrible songs in other parallel universes. <laughs> okay, okay. But in this dimension, the one we live in, yes. this is the worst you do song. This is the worst ever. one. Okay. I look, we just heard a little bit of it. I think the the opening guitar groove is actually pretty badass. Uh-huh. Every time I hear it, I want to let's hear it one more time. Here we go. Yeah. It's not bad. It's a little like, hey, Vertigo, you liked Vertigo. Yeah, yeah. Let's give you this. But then then this starts here. Yeah. This is terrible. Not only that, but the title. 
Get on your boots. Get on your boots. And then the fact that he's singing sexy boots. I know. It's Adam. I know. Daddy, I hate it. Why I know. Did they, why did they do it? I remember people saying, it sounds like that Escape Club song. Well, and that's it, the other thing. They have millions and millions of dollars and so many advisors, and not one of them said, hey, Bono, this is the exact same song as Escape Club's The Wild Wild West. Do we have that? I, I'm going to look it up. Okay. Because, talk while I do that. Because it, it – and so I thought, oh, no, it doesn't. And then I, re, I looked it up on YouTube, the Escape Club song, and it is – very similar. Yeah. Here, I'm going to play that right. And that is now. not a good thing. No, that, I mean. Because I remember in like 1988 being like, ugh, that fuck song you. sucks. Yeah. Here we go. This oh, is. This is how to be a successful video director. Shut up, Escape Club. Just play your when song. You make videos, it's quite what is happening? Here? Is there like a. This is a documentary about. Here we go. Okay, hold on. It is the exact same song. It is with the same like kind of tuk tuk percussion, like cowbelly percussion. I know, but you know, I do like the chorus. Which part of the the one of get on your boots? Get on your boots. No, no, no. Or is it the here? Let's keep playing it a little bit because it is like five different songs. I think the chorus is cool. I like uh, this. When no one's. Oh, but then sex, he goes, sexy, sexy boots. What is that? Yeah. It's nonsense. I like the video, too. I think it's a cool video. Okay, okay. here comes the chorus. Is it the. This part? Yeah, I like this. Yeah, kind of grungy. It's okay. Like, and then him coming in. Right. That, I That's like that. Kind of, that one part is kind of... You don't Yeah, it's catchy. That's and, okay. But it doesn't feel like anything else on the record, I have to say. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And I remember them, because the Grammys are in late February, and they came out and performed Get On Your Boots at the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to get people to like, hey... This is it. Uh, it was so and bad. And it did not work. Yeah. And it looked a little embarrassing. Looked desperate. And yeah. the audience was like, hmm. Hey, get on your boots. <laughs> like, leave our boots it's alone. It's like, we all have boots on. <laughs> we're at the Grammys. Yeah. The, hey, look, we're wearing tuxedos and boots. We put our fucking boots on. <laughs> One boot at a time. So that came out. And immediately just kind of landed with a thud. And everyone said, you know what? Oh, I don't like you two anymore. Not only that, it had been five years since their right. record that everyone liked and people bought Vertigo. Five years, I mean, it's like five years ago we were listening to Britney Spears. Right. Now we're listening to, you know, Spearmint Gum. What? Britney Spears. I mean, that's... Uh. <laughs> Sorry, you were way ahead of me on that one. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, people are just like, oh, well, I guess I don't need to buy this record. Yeah. I'm not a YouTube it, fan it, anymore. It just like, but the thing that kind of flummoxed me, if I can use that cool yeah. word, is <laughs> that. All right, Grandpa. Is that um, they didn't rush Magnificent out. 
Yeah. Like they fucking waited until the album kept, was out. They also kept trying to push get on your boots down people's throats, but they they also they they can't do anything small. Like, hey, we have a record, we've put, sunk millions and millions into it. Well, the promotion has to be huge. Right. So we're going to do five nights in a row on the David Letterman show. Yeah. We're going to have the mayor of New York name a street after us. Right. We're, like all this stuff that is not, it's, 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 yeah, it's reminding you all you too exists. But if you have a really great song, that'll do some of that work for you. Right. Like why not just go, oh, get on your boots is tanking. Let's just put out the single now. Mm-hmm. Is it because they didn't have a video ready? Like who cares? Who, Even yeah. in 2009, videos weren't. No one was playing No videos. one cares. A lot of it is, yeah, uh, the state of the music industry, no one's buying records anymore. So, yeah. So, you know, this record flopped in a lot of ways because any record would flop. It still sold well. It sold five million copies, right? Which is a huge achievement, sure. These days, um, but in any case, I feel like it is. I think the first four tracks are great. Mm-hmm. I think then the last four are pretty great. Well, let's go track by track then. Sure. Okay. My general impression yeah. of the album is, I, I, I think it's it's really good. Um, I. Well, let's go track by track. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> okay, so here's uh, uh, the first track, which I think is just... the. F- I-, I put on this record with low expectations because of Get On Your Boots. Yeah. I heard this track, I'm like, this is... It's awesome. This is the single to me. This Like, if this had been the single... But now, here's where I come from that... I'm an older U2 fan, and this reminds me of something from Unforgettable Fire yeah. or that era. And yeah. I, I get excited when I hear this. It sounds like a band, like it sounds like Joshua Tree in a way of just a band making a really cool song. And it has that big epic sound too. Mm-hmm. But it's not them like going, like imitating U2 or anything right. like that. This is No Line on the Horizon. Because it doesn't, it really doesn't sound like anything they've done. They've, no, it doesn't at all. The melody is cool. Yeah, it's really cool. But somehow it harkens back to their early days while still having modern touches. I really liked it. Yeah, it's it's a cool song. He's singing at the top of his register, which I really uh, like. Where you know. Like, I can imagine him singing this at Live Aid or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Although, I have to say, I think I even prefer the... The other version? Yeah, I love that. The other version is pretty good, too. You want to... Yeah. I can, I can play it... Uh, I can play it here if people want to hear it. Just for it's a comparison. Really, it's really cool. This is the, as they call it, No Line on the Horizon 2. It's more kind of like the demo version, I guess. Well, they, I don't even think it's the demo. I think they did two totally yeah. totally finished versions. See, this was the B-side to get on your boots. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was the song. And then when I got the album, I was kind of surprised by that new version of it. So this is the first one you heard. That's yeah. why you like it better. Well, no, I, I think I, I kind of like the more kind of raw 
feeling this, of it. This kind of has like, oh, a, oh, that's pretty cool. The do 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 do, yeah. the bass part of it. And then there's also that no, not that they don't they oh, don't okay. do in the finished version. At both, the end, but so. both versions are a really good. Cool song. Yeah, yeah. So I remember I got this record and I, um, I took it up to, um, Tall John's cabin. Yeah. Um, up in Big Bear. Yeah. And I just kind of sat down with it. We were up there for a weekend, and I just kind of like played it on the CD player and sat down with it and listened to it. By the way, and Kulop was not into it. Yeah, <laughs> she, I'm she sure. Was, and, and she was someone who like, yeah, really loved Beautiful Day and went to those concerts and yeah. stuff, but she she was not getting into it. Which, by the way, I, I, I mentioned Tall John. He wanted me to mention one fact because I've been staying with him for two months <laughs> at yeah. this period that – where we're sleeping, mm-hmm. the bed on which we are sleeping, mm-hmm. is your former bed. Really? Yes. The bed, he tells me, where your children were conceived. What? Is that true? <laughs> I don't think so. What he, bed? A bed you gave him. Really? Yeah. He he asked me to bring that up. He goes, if you ever run out of stuff to talk about on the show, tell him that you're sleeping on the bed where he 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 that he used to own that he gave me. It, it must have been a long time ago. I think so. Yeah, that's hilarious. So anyway, not the children I live with anyway. <laughs> the other children. <laughs> so I took it up to the cabin and track one. Fantastic. Great. Okay, then we're going to track two. This is magnificent. Yeah, this is great too. Could have been the first single. Yeah, it should have been. It's so crazy. But it's not dumb and obvious, which is what they thought they needed after Vertigo. I actually still would have done the second single. What would you have done first single? Uh, I'll go crazy if I don't go crazy. Uh, the single version, the one they kind mm-hmm. of re- remade. This is all cool. Mm-hmm. And then the percut once it starts that percussion that they recorded out at in Fez sounds really cool right here. It sounds great. It's just yeah. huge. Yeah. Good top line up there. Yeah. It's a good song. Yeah. We can't play it all obviously, but um so so far as far as I'm concerned Two out of two. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Then we we played a little bit of Moment of Surrender. That's where that's the the one they did in Fez. We'll play a little bit of it right now. But uh that's a seven minute and twenty-four second song that's yeah. pretty cool and a definitely unlike anything they've ever put out. And they used to close their shows with this. Yeah. Because it's such a cool song. So my my opinion of it, this point is like couple of good rockers that sound kind of like old U2 and then this kind of really interesting experimental beat that they've never done before like they're they're going for it as far as I'm concerned yeah Moment of Surrender to me isn't as kind of great as as it should as be as making it's, love to yeah I, I don't know it, it's it's really cool but there's something about it, it almost sounds like you remember Soul to Soul? 
soul me me the band soul yeah yeah soul yeah, to yeah. Soul. there's something oh, about that drum beat. keep on moving don't stop no yeah, it sort of sounds like this that drum beat to me just sounds like a little oh, it sounds a little like enigma yeah like sh- sh- like sh- uh uh yeah like it's yeah. just a little i don't know Okay. I love the melody he sings, and I like the song overall. I think it's really beautiful. The chorus is amazing. What I like about what he's doing with melodies on this is he's like at the top of his register, and he sound. You remember how old U two songs? He sounded kind of strained. Yeah, like, yeah. And the older he gets, I think the less he uses that. But it sounds like he's doing a lot of that in yeah. in this record, which I really like. Yeah, know? and the melodies are really good too. Yeah. Track four, unknown caller. This is a favorite of mine from mm-hmm. the album. I like this a lot. It does sound a lot like Walk On, mm-hmm. but I don't mind that. And I think it's it's such an experimental song structurally that that is just a small part of the song, I think. The, uh, the Walk On similarity. Right. What's cool is like a lot of these songs aren't starting until like... Right. Like second 30 sometimes. Yeah. It's like they, that's something that... In the past two records, they had to kind of hit you over the head with yeah. what the song were. Like, I like how they're making an artistic statement on this, yeah. which they haven't really done in a long time. Yeah. And then, but then when the songs kick in, they have these big, huge melodies, yeah. which are really good. So this has this whole intro with like yeah. So far, it's at second fifty. Nothing's really happened with it, but other than it's like setting a mood, which is really cool. Yeah, I love this. This um, produced by Eno and Lanois with additional production by Steve Lillywhite. And here it kicks in. And for the first time, Daniel Lanois got writing credit on some of these songs. Right, yeah. I love the guitar on this song. All right, we can't play the whole thing, but like, yeah, we're at a minute 30 and not one lyric has yeah. been sung, which it's is really kind of cool. cool. So then then we get to the, my problematic portion yeah. of the record. Now, you like I'll go crazy if I don't go crazy tonight. I listened to it again today. Here's my opinion of it. I think the melody is really good. Yeah. I really actually like the song, even though it's partially produced by Will I Am. Of yeah. the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. But I think the melody is really good, but the, the lyrics are just so kind of stupid. I find that there's one phrase that bugs me, but other than that, I'm fine with it. I think it's like a bubblegum pop song. They're ti- the title, though, I'll go crazy if I no, don't go crazy I, tonight. I don't know. The, the original title was just Go Crazy, which I think is... A lot it's still better. like go crazy. Yeah, come on, Grandpa. Yeah, here let's hear a little bit of it. Um, sounds cool right there. Yeah, do 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 do. Some of the lyrics though, like uh, every, every generation has a chance to change the world. Yeah, and what's yeah. the one about every girl has to go out with an idiot? I kind of like that lyric. Yeah, because you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why. I like the melody, but I think the chorus is great. Can I play the single version? It's it's 
Yep. It's better. It's not there you go. produced by Will I Am. Yep. Fuck you. <laughs> he didn't expect it. Passing the cord over. It's a tradition. It's kind of endlessly funny. <laughs> it doesn't really get funnier than that on this show. <laughs> nope. Uh, all right. Did you find it? Yes, I did. And here it, here it is. Or oh, maybe. Fuck. It's supposed to be. It's Turn playing. your phone up. It is. It's up all the way. Cody, is this your fault? Yeah, Cody's nodding yes. All right, okay. go ahead. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Okay, yeah. Oh, you hadn't plugged it in, Adam? No, it you was don't say. In. Oh, so that's an interesting, like, sort of almost acoustic guitar edition. That yeah, there's more guitars in it. Mm-hmm. It's less kind of Will I Ami. He's mixed a little further back. The vocals. Mm-hmm. It just sounds more like a band playing. It doesn't sound quite as electronic. Right, I yeah. I really, I mean, that's the thing. I can listen to the song and not be like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. It just, th- this is where the record starts getting a little obvious to me. And I wish that the three songs in the middle of it weren't just kind of like... Stupid? Stupid. Yeah. yeah. You know, like if, like if they had just done another draft of the lyrics on this one. I just don't understand why they would make a song this blatantly commercial and not release it as a single until like six months after the album right. comes like see this, this is a chorus great, this is great. great yeah also I read some review when it came out maybe it was the Rolling Stone I can't remember but was like this is the first time that stuff that Bono had been saying in interviews and uh-huh. speeches wound up as lyrics in his songs ooh really yeah like they 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 Thank you. <laughs> he did it to me. <laughs> they they use some examples where, oh yeah, he said this in a few interviews. This is like one of his quotes, and now oh. now it winds up in the song. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So then you have "Get on Your Boots." Not a lot more needs to be said about "Get on Your Boots." Yeah. Um, then you have a song called "Stand Up Comedy," which I like. Again, I think it's a cool riff. My favorite part of the song is the bridge. I think it's pretty awesome. That's my favorite thing the Red Hot Chili Peppers went under, so I know what you're talking about. The bridge. <laughs> I think I think just call it something else. Yeah. Like their titles, he, they got very wonky with the titles. Yeah, stand-up comedy is not a great title. For, for me, it's like, especially... Especially doing, since that's not real. That's not what the songs about. It's not no, about stand up. It's comedy. not. But also, it's almost like you know that that's my job. Yeah. It's like you know, say you're a data processor, and yeah. he were to write a song called Data Processing and yeah. got all the details wrong. Yeah. You'd be offended. Well, server if not, at if, if not offended, just sort of annoyed. Server at Applebee's. Say you're a server at yeah. Applebee's, and he he wrote a song called Server at Applebee's. You'd be annoyed by that. And it's all about being a server at Denny's. <laughs> it's like they're way different. No, but play go, go forward a little bit. No, and play the no the bridge. No, play the Red Hot Chili Peppers part. <laughs> uh, where 
Is that uh, after another verse and chorus? Yeah. All right. Okay, let's get to halfway through. Is this it? Oh, no, this is the end of the chorus again. Yeah, here it comes. This is kind of like... Too much like a Zeppelin song or something. Well, it gets more Zeppelin in here. Right here. There's this great, like, 45-second chunk right here. This is great. This great little kind of bass break. <clears throat> what? Bass break. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's not what you people actually call. Well, uh, you're calling a bass break cool? But wait. Right here. It's 30 seconds away from the end of the song. That part where he goes, woo woo! I just think this is... I, th- I think it's, it's it's kind of a great little un underappreciated. I think it's song. Like, it's okay. It's not like the rest of the record, though. Like no, these not three, really. these three songs are are atypical of the um, eight other songs, which I think are really great. So they stick out like yeah, a. But that's okay to have like a kind of a glossier little section of the album, don't you think? They, Bono called Bono said that it's in three sections. There's the. Um, what are the, the experimental section, the pop section, and then the section which takes them into new places they've never gone before. Oh, well, that's like not that. really true. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so so that is stand up comedy. I don't know. You don't like those three songs. I don't really like those three songs. Okay. I could do without them. I I like I like I like I'll go crazy if I don't go crazy, and I wish it was called something else. Me too. I like those two songs. I do not like Get On Your Boots. Yeah, Get On Your Boots can get on my dick. Can and suck get it. up my butt and fuck off. <laughs> so then we have the last four songs. Uh, this one is called Fez slash Being Born, and this is kind of an experimental instrumental piece a little bit that has the bridge part of get on your boots the let me in the sound let me in the sound a yeah. little bit which i don't mind all that much being in this kind of sound collage type but thing you can tell they expected that to be a giant hit otherwise they would not be referencing it in a later song they actually thought oh sort of like you know billy joel with allentown right in where's the orchestra right they thought this might be the opening of the record at a lot of points this this might yeah this oh, might really? be the opening track I mean, I think this is fine. I don't know. I don't. I think for it, it, they're trying something, which I like. Yeah, you know, I like that. It harkens back to the un- unforgettable fire, where there's like these weird instrumentals. Yeah, and, and old sourpuss is finally earning his paycheck. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool once it gets going, right here. Yeah, this sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. We can't play the whole thing, but it's kind of a cool palate cleanser after those three. This is the first time you've, you're mentioning us not being able to play entire songs. Well, I think 
a lot of people complain about oh they go why do you only play 30 seconds of something well we can't we can't play the whole song otherwise you two would sue us they'd be it would be you sue (laughs) i don't get it but that's funny (laughs) and their lawyers would not be working pro bono (laughs) we'd be on the edge of bankruptcy Okay, so then we have White as Snow, which I think is such a simple, beautiful song. I dig it. It's like there's yeah. there's not a lot of accoutrement on it. There's yeah. not a, you know, they just like wrote a really simple, powerful song. Yeah. And they didn't feel like they needed to dress it up with boots. Yeah, it is a pretty song. It is um the mel or the the music is actually a traditional song. Oh, it is that they um, arranged and then added lyrics to. Oh, like a traditional Irish folk song or something. Something like that. I'm not sure if it's Irish or not. Um, let me read. Let me read the traditional Advent hymn, Veni, Veni, Emmanuel. Yeah, it's it's pretty. I can't say I reach for the song, really. Are you reaching for your dong? I reach for my dong more often than I reach for this song. <laughs> I think it's cool, like, and especially where it is in the record. Do you listen to this song? Like, when you listen to the record, you don't skip this? No, I like it. I always really respond to it. All right. With but your dong you. Out, out, <laughs> sitting in your hand? Then we have Breathe, which kind of I wonder why it's so late in the record. Yeah, because it's. Gr- I think it's a. It's great a real song. It deserves to be front loaded a little bit. I agree. Brian Eno thinks this is the best song they've ever recorded. Shut up, Eno. It is good though. I mean, it's. Well, well you awesome. want to know why? Um, because he produced it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve Lillywhite actually gets credited with this with additional production by Daniel Lenoir and Brian Eno. They were real specific with the credits on this album. Yeah, That's I wonder weird. how they how do they break that up? Like he did the origin, original sessions and Maybe. then those guys come in and do it. I don't know. There's, this is a really cool song though. And on Letterman this performance of this was particularly great. Mm-hmm. This is kind of rocking too rocking to be at the end of a record. Yeah, it's weirdly sequenced. But another really good melody, yeah. like... Oh, I don't like that. Cockatoo? Good melody. I yeah. really like it. Then you have the the last track, Cedars of Lebanon. Another title that I'm not totally on board with. But it's not dumb and obvious, like, I'll go crazy if I don't go crazy tonight or stand-up comedy. Yeah. It's a little... Uh, what I like about this is it's a good album closer in the way of like a nice somber song is but I just love how it ends there's no fanfare like every song has been about these really long intros and then the record just ends without any warning it's a cool artistic statement can I take you to the end would you mind whatever I I wish they would end an album for once on like a a big closer, like if Breathe were the final song. I thought that yeah. would have been cool. This is the this is the last part of the this record. Yeah. 
Adam Clayton's kind of the star of this album, I think. Mm-hmm. Choose your enemies carefully, cause they will define you. Make them interesting, cause in some ways they will mind you. They're not there in the beginning, but when your story ends, gonna last with you longer than your friends. And it's over. Hmm. That's it. Like normally a U2 record will like like yeah. longer fade out or something. This was just like he says a couple of things and then like goodbye. Yeah. We're done. I, I like to feel like I don't know. That that song to me doesn't feel like an essential. Like they could they probably had something a little more song-like they could have put on the album. Mm. I don't know. Cedars of Le- Lebanon was n- never a big favorite of mine it's cool though i love the bass line mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's a story of a journalist isn't from the point of view of a journalist i don't care <laughs> um so <laughs> so what we're left with is they took a big swing and did something more experimental certainly than their last two records we've talked yeah. about about all that yeah. you can't leave behind is just purely like here, you know, they, yeah. they were experimenting with different types of songs they were writing, but it really was like song, 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 single, 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 yeah. single. This, they're actually trying to make an album, yeah. which I really liked. And I sat with this record a lot and I wrestled with Get On Your Boots and yeah. said, well, you know, if I can skip past it, I, I like this record. Yeah. And um, I think the thing is, is now then it's been five years since this, over five. Yeah. Just put out some new stuff. Yeah. If they had if they had to put out a record every year. Like I was reading about REM today. Ooh, I got your attention. Why were you wh- – oh, were they reviewing the Unplug thing? No, no. I was just reading a separate article about them, about their sort of breakup. Yeah. How um, Peter Buck wanted them to have to put out a record every year. Right. Um, because he kind of felt that discipline, you know, then you don't just like overthink it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the, the, it seems to me like U2 is is the prime example of a band that they're not so rich that they don't want to put out records. I think they still want to put out records. Yeah. Yeah, they get distracted and they're doing too much stuff, which leads them to not doing records. But it's just they have too much money. And I think relevancy is the main Mm-hmm. the main goal for them. But if they put out three records in five years, they would stay relevant. I agree. I think even if those records were not great, they would, just by virtue of putting out so much material, they would be relevant. Mm-hmm. But everything they have to do is big now. They have to have I the know. biggest tour, grossing tour of all time. And in a way, they dig a hole for themselves by waiting so long because mm-hmm. so much importance is going to be put on those 11 songs or however long it, it is. It has now been 10 years since their last hit single. It's been 10 years since we started this podcast. <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> it's been 10 years since their last hit single. Vertigo. Yeah. It's wow. been 10 years. That's an eternity. That's crazy. They are no longer yeah. relevant in a way. Right. Only people our age think they're relevant now, you know, in a way. Yeah, because people weren't going to see that last tour, which, by the way, originally was called the Kiss the Future Tour, Mm. and then they changed it when the single bombed. Oh, is that a lyric from Get On Your Boots? The the Future needs a big kiss. Oh, God. So (laughs) 
which is kind of a gross lyric. <laughs> so they, uh, yeah, they changed it to U two three sixty when it kind of when the yeah. single tanked, which is kind of sad. Yeah, just I, you know, put out a record, guys. Yeah. Just put out three of them. But it's also weird, if they expected this album to be huge, why would they have this giant 360 stadium tour to, to to support it? It's not the kind of album that speaks to stadium rock, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, Magnificent is kind of a big song, but I don't know. What I mean... Yeah, who knows what, who knows what they're thinking anymore? Yeah. I don't know. They obviously got tricked into thinking Get On Your Boots... Would be successful because they were so confident with that song. Oh man, they went out there and they were like, a "Sexy boots." Oh man, <laughs> I watched that Grammy performance recently, and it's just sort of like <sighs> it's a bummer. Oh geez, have you watched that recently? No, I'm going to put it on right now. They're just like, you know, you, you were up to something. And it's just sort of like, oh, you're way better than this. Yeah. And I, 2009, get on your boots. Oh, I should plug it in. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, uh, there it is. Can I come over there and watch? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Ooh, he's saddled up next to me. All right, there's Edge doing the riff. And there's Bono in front of a uh, big screen that's showing the American flag a lot. And he's doing his poses, his kind of vertigo poses. Yeah. Sexy boots. I don't know, man. It just... You're not on mic, by the way. I'm not saying shut up. I'm saying get on mic. (laughs) And these... They have the lyrics up on the screen as And it's even more embarrassing. Because those aren't, like, lyrics you want really up on a screen. It's not like they're... I think... I I just think that the, the fact that it is kind of a spoken word sort of thing, and it's the same melody as the Escape Club, is maybe the most embarrassing thing about it, don't you right, think? Right, yeah. It, that no one realized that this is kind of a lift from a super shitty song. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not one person said no. anything. But that's, you know, that's the other thing. No one told the Rolling Stones, hey, you have just oh, ripped yeah. off, uh, you know, a song by... Katie Lang. Katie Lang, yeah. yeah. You know, they had to credit her afterwards. Like, oh, shit, we did, didn't... And, like, and, not one person tells the Rolling Stones that? That was a huge song, too. Yeah. How's she that? made, apparently, so much money. Yeah, I hope so. Um. Well, you know, I I think, though, I listen to this way more than How to Dismantle... And I listen to it still too. I think it's a really, really strong album. I I dig it. Mm-hmm. Um, we should be. We should, by the way, rank our the U two records in order of of how we. Yeah. Now that we're through them, we yeah. sh- can't do it right now. It's true. We are done with the U two catalog. We've done. We it are. All. I mean, they've 
the the Spider-Man soundtrack yeah. is the record that we haven't covered. Yeah. Um, but we've done them all at this point. We yeah. have talked you two to people. All what is this their 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 twelfth album? I don't know. That's another thing is they've been around for thirty some odd years years and they've only made twelve albums or thirteen albums. Yeah. That's, meanwhile, Prince is putting out two a year. Now yeah. that's not a good thing. No. In some cases, he should rein it in a little bit. But you know, like Springsteen is recently is a good example of you know what. Yeah. He's back to touring. He's back to putting out records every two years. Yeah, he you puts know? out a lot of albums. He took he took some breaks there, yeah. but but since he's been kind of since Magic, he's been just putting them out yeah. like pretty regularly yeah. now. Does that mean I like every single one? No, but at least I know in a couple. You know, at least I know if I'm disappointed in one, it's not going to be another five six years. Yeah. For another one. Yeah, I feel like like Magic and what was the one that came out right after Magic? Um, the Lucky working, Day. Oh, working on a... Uh, working on a Dream, working Lucky a dream. Day. Wait, not Lucky Day. No, no. Working on a Dream. That was the one that came out two years ago. Yeah, we... Okay, so you have his... Uh, he did uh, Magic with Radio Nowhere. And then he did... Um, Working on a dream, then oh, wrecking, wrecking ball. ball, wrecking ball, which is great. Working on a dream, wrecking ball, magic. I I feel like all those are sort of similar. Like I think mm-hmm. of them as sort of a in a similar a tr- vein. A trilogy. Okay, so he did magic two thousand seven. Working on a dream two thousand nine. Wrecking ball two thousand twelve. Pretty good. Three records yeah. in five years. Those are all solid albums. Those so. are all solid. Then High Hopes, you know, it's not that great, but at least you know, at least I know eh, he's probably got another one. I didn't get coming. High Hopes. I didn't purchase Mm -hmm. um i love that song lucky day on uh, working on a dream cool so (laughs) 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 so here's where we're at it is 11 25 for us we both it's time to go it's time to go but here's what we're gonna do we have some more epi- – we're sure we're at the end of their discography. We still have the Broadway episode. Yep. Not saying that's next Broadway. week. Broadway. We have a pretty cool episode next week I yeah. think people will enjoy. And it's then- almost as experimental as Fez being born. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll see where we're at. All right? So Great. you can expect at least three more episodes from us. You two, put out your record so we can so end we have this show. to do. <laughs> We'll spend 20 episodes talking about your new record. Oh, seriously. If you put out an album, I I would say minimum three or four episodes just dissecting. Just devoted to that. Yeah. Yeah. So put it out. We'll we'll spend one episode just talking about how psyched we are that it's out. Yes. We won't even get to the album. (laughs) No. We'll talk about where we were the day we heard that it was out. We'll do everything. We'll cover it all. Just put it out, guys. Yeah. So we'll see. Next week, very special episode, um, and then we'll see where we're at after that. But we have to go right now um, until next time. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And we sincerely hope that you find... What you're looking for! The future needs a 
This has been an Earwolf Media production. Executive producers Jeff Ulrich and Scott Aukerman. For more information, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolfradio.com The Wolf Dead. Hey, Queeros, it's me, Cami Esposito, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, Query. You can sit in on hour-long conversations between me, Cameron Esposito, and some of the brightest luminaries in the LGBTQ family. Query explores individual stories of identity, personality, and the shifting cultural matrix around gender, sexuality, and civil rights. Plus, it is fun. We have had some incredible guests. Uh, Emmy winner Lena Waithe? Yes, definitely. Congressman Mark Takano? You bet. L Word creator Eileen Shaken? Yes. President and CEO of Glad Sarah Kate Ellis? We definitely have. We've got celebs, people like Trixie Mattel, Evan Rachel Wood, Tegan and Sarah, the band, and the people separately on two different episodes. We also have activists and change makers in our community. I think it's a one of a kind show full of chats you have never heard before. It's identity, it's community, it's query. You can find query every Monday on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.